Welcome to The Big Interview. The Big Interview from the Customer Experience Foundation is our weekly podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centres, the movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Ian Golding. Ian is an international keynote speaker, blogger, columnist and writer. Ian spent 17 years working in a variety of corporate organisations, including the Royal Bank of Scotland, GE Commercial Finance, Reinsurance and Brake Brothers Food Service. In his last permanent role as Head of Group Customer Experience, Ian developed and deployed the customer experience strategy for one of Europe's largest online retailers, ShopDirect. In 2012, he became an independent consultant, delivering projects in the automotive financial services logistics and utilities industries. Ian has continued to work with a plethora of businesses across several sectors, including pharmaceutical, banking, professional services, retail, manufacturing, education and technology industries. Ian has to date published more than 600 articles on the subject and delivered keynote speeches globally. Ian also served on the inaugural board of directors of the Customer Experience Professionals Association, of which he was a founding member. Ian was also the first person in the world to be authorised by the CXPA to teach the Certified Customer Experience Accreditation. He is also the course director customer experience for the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Ian's first book was published in April 2018, Customer What? The Honest and Practical Guide to Customer Experience, and that is already being well received by professionals around the world. And in 2021, Ian was awarded the title of number one influencer in customer experience in the UK by Customer Experience Magazine. Ian, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. That's quite a long list of accolades. Yeah, I know. I was getting slightly embarrassed as you were going through that, Keith. But um, thank you so much for having me and for saying such nice things about me. <laughs> Although I have to say, I've never been called a mover or shaker before. If you'd seen my dancing, you'd understand why. <laughs> we won't ask you to demonstrate that. So, Ian, talk yeah. us through um, your, your current role, some of the things you've been working on, particularly over the last 12, 15 months. Well, as we know, it's been a bizarre 16 months. Um, For me, um, no more so than anyone else. But from a working perspective, my life literally was turned on its head in March last year. Because, as you know, I spent most of my life prior to this on aeroplanes, traveling all around the world to different organizations. And literally overnight, I was grounded. In fact, I flew back from Johannesburg two days before the lockdown in March. And since that time, I've been tied to this chair. Um, I do move out of it every now and then. But um, what, what was fascinating for me is that I am as busy now as ever before, because whilst there was obviously a period of, um, I think, fear and reflection and people stopping doing things 
very quickly, organizations recognized that they couldn't stop focusing on customer experience. They still needed to continue. And so um, I have acquired many new clients. I've continued to support existing clients. And most importantly for me, I've been able to share more knowledge with people during this 16 months than ever before. So I am I am training, coaching, guiding customer experience professionals all around the world. And, and what would you say are some of the challenges that both the individuals and organizations that you're working with over the last 12, 18 months are facing at the moment? Uh, you know, sustaining the focus on customer experience has always been one of the big challenges that professionals have faced, even prior to the pandemic. You know, how do you sustain the focus on something like customer experience when there are so many other priorities, so many competing objectives? But if you then throw a pandemic into the mix, if you overlay Brexit on top, you know, it, it makes it even more difficult. So um, for many, keeping the foot on the gas was the immediate challenge because, you know, we just need to stop. We need to stop everything. Um, and so there has been a need to just reinforce in professionals' minds that, you know, we can't stop. In fact, the need to understand how we are treating our customers, the effect we're having on our customers is as important now, even if not more important than ever before. Um, but, there have been many times where I've been counselling, guiding fellow professionals who are feeling quite isolated, quite um, alone and defeated in many cases. And so there's been a real need for the community to come together even more, to keep reassuring each other, to keep sharing experiences with each other. And one of the things that I think is quite unique about this profession is that there are many who are only too happy to share their experiences for the benefit of others. Uh, I would certainly um, su support that. Um, you are one of the one of the very few, and one of the first, and one of the remain one of the only um, people that um, teach. Uh, and, and accredit the the CCXP exam. Can you talk to us about how that came about? Yeah, um, do you know I, I first had customer experience in my job title. I don't know if I've ever told you this before. In two thousand and five, and when we go back to two thousand and five, customer experience wasn't even a thing really. No one really knew what that meant. Um, and the leaders that I was influencing at the time made me um, be very clear that they had no idea what it was or why it was necessary. Um, in around 2008, I first met Bruce Temkin, one of the co-founders of the CXPA. And, you know, when he started to talk to me about what him and Gene Bliss wanted to do, creating a global um association to advance the profession it, i mean it, it genuinely blew my mind because I, I i really thought i was the only one you know it's it's only me and there's there, there's something wrong with me and so to suddenly realize that there were lots of me's around the world and do you know what we can come together and ensure that what we do is recognized as a discipline in its own right uh, it was just wonderful. So when the professional association was launched in 2011, so this year is its 10th anniversary, 
I mean, it, it was it, it became a very important part of my life. And the formation of the CXPA, Gene and Bruce always had the desire to define the standards by which the profession should operate. That was always something that was important to them. But it took a further three years for that to happen. You know, many people probably don't really understand where the the the, 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 the accreditation itself came from. But it came from three years of professionals around the world talking to each other, sharing with each other to determine what is it that truly defines a customer experience professional. And that's where the formation of the professional qualification came from. <laughs> Excuse me. And the six competencies that, de that define that profession. Um, I have always been very passionate about sharing knowledge. And when I went independent in 2012, I created my own customer experience framework to share my experiences with others. And so when the professional qualification came along, it was just perfectly natural for me to want to add that to my ability to increase the knowledge of professionals around the world, but even more importantly, for them to get the credibility that their expertise deserves and a recognition that that they're not just passionate, overly enthusiastic, customer-obsessed people, but they are people who, yes, they've got a big heart, but underpinned um, with a science that is defined by those competencies. So as soon as I heard that they, they needed people to take on that role of sharing the knowledge, it was just a no-brainer for me to, to make it happen. Fantastic. And, and, and give us your thoughts about how and why it's important as an industry and as a profession that we assess capability and competence and seek to raise standards. Um, if you think about any profession, any traditional business profession, they have all at some point introduced standards by which professionals are assessed or measured. Um, and uh, I think what we need to understand is that whilst it's been 10 years since CX was formalized in the language of business, even 10 years on, many organizations have no idea what it really means. They think they know what it means. But as I share with people when I teach them, what most organizations actually do is deliver experiences by accident. You know, and the, the accidental customer experience is very much driven by the goodwill of people. You know, it's it's we just have to rely on our people being nice and knowing what to do and when. But that's not fair or sustainable. And so for us to be recognized as a profession, it is important to be clear about what does that mean? What is the science that sits behind it? And I've described customer experience as a science for a number of years now. It's not rocket science, but it is a science that comprises a number of competencies. And effective customer experience professionals need to have a sufficient working knowledge of all of those competencies. But, but the key is that this is not a black and white profession. And this is where... 
I would always argue that maybe there is a competency missing from the way the CCXP accreditation was formed, because just knowing stuff isn't enough. You know, it is how that stuff is applied in whatever situation you're facing that is the key. And so if there were a seventh CCXP competency, I would always say it is about the, the courage, the persistence, the belief that you are able to apply the other competencies to be appropriate to the situation you face. But, you know, coming back to your your question, assessing how well people are able to do that is important. And the CCXP exam isn't an exam of, you know, eat a textbook and you'll pass it. You know, it doesn't work like that. It is about uh, providing you with lots of different scenarios and seeing whether or not you have the ability to interpret that scenario in the most effective way possible. And that that's that's a challenge. And as as you know, as I know, having done it, it's not easy. No, I uh, I, I can vouch for that. I found the uh, the exam very very challenging. Um, the exam itself and the concept of accreditation, and particularly the concept of awards and influencers and recognition also comes in for criticism from some quarters of the CX industry. Um, what would your response be to that? Um, I, it is a, a very lively debate, which, uh, and I understand both sides of it. As you said in introducing me, uh, you know, I regularly get sort of cited as a an influencer of you know this that or the other um now i actually have no control over that you know it's not me that nominates myself it, it's and i think it's important that people understand that people like me don't ask for that it's you know sometimes that is organizations promoting themselves but using our name to do that and there's a whole variety of reasons that that being said i think there is a danger that um, customer experience is being slightly uh, impacted by celebrity, as I call it. You know, I think there is a desire for some to have celebrity. Um, and, you know, maybe it's driven by sort of the whole Instagram influencer type world that we live in. But, you know, there are people that call themselves all sorts of things. Um, as you know, Keith. I hate it when people call me an expert or a guru because, you know, I, I don't believe that any of us have the right to say that because, you know, it suggests we know everything. And whilst it's wonderful that some may call me an influencer, you know, if I can influence others to believe that they're able to do this, then I'm incredibly proud that they call me that. But am I an expert? Not in my opinion. You know, I am the most pedantic person in the world at wanting people to see me as a specialist, a specialist in the field of customer experience. And my job is to maintain and improve that specialism. You know, I never stop learning. And and I think some of the criticism is because that there is a, a belief that those people who are winning awards, who are being cited as influencers, have never really been there and done it. But but actually, that's not always true. 
You know, there are many of those people who have got got the scars um, and the bruises to prove it. And I, I'm a huge believer in awards. Awards have helped many in increasing the momentum in what they're doing in their organisation. Uh, I think it, there is a fine line between people using it to massage their ego and using it genuinely to advance a focus on customer experience in their organisation. So uh, I think where people are debating it, they've got to ask themselves, are these people doing what they're doing for the right reason? Or are they doing it purely to massage their ego? Uh, I think that you can tell the difference personally. I, I I think that's very insightful, Ian. Thank you. Um, you're working with uh, you've worked with and working with a lot of organisations and a lot of individuals. Um, where does it go wrong? What what can we all learn? What what are the consistent themes that you're seeing? It's a brilliant question, and there are a number of ways I could answer it. But I, I want to refer to something that's happened or it is happening right now. Um, you know, very often, again, I'm, I'm referring to this on the basis that I've been on both sides of the coin. So I spent 17 years on the inside. And when you're on the inside, it's a very different environment. You know, you are trying to influence people who don't necessarily want to listen to you. Um, they, they don't necessarily want you to air their dirty laundry in public. So a whole variety of issues. When you move to the outside, the world changes, I mean, immediately, because you go from a place of um, people not wanting you to do what you do to people asking you to come in and help them. And it's, well, you know, it's a, it's a really strange transition. The, the problem is that when you're on the outside, you, you, you can't have the expertise in one place or the other. What you need is a balance of the two. And what I mean by that is that customer experience is not something that I believe consultants can do to an organization. What they need to be able to do is to share knowledge with the organization so they can then embed it and sustain it themselves. The problem is that not enough organizations have the expertise on the inside to do that. And uh, uh, over the last nine years, on too many occasions to mention, I have been in a situation where customer experience happens when Ian comes. You know, well, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, at, at the end of the day, if they don't have that um, uh, that skill set, that competency base on the inside, they won't be able to live, live and breathe it, to operationalize it, to make it happen. And so at the moment, my, my biggest concern is that we don't have a sufficient pool of customer experience professionals on the inside with the right um, enablement to allow their organizations to sustain the focus on this. And it, it almost brings me back full circle to the importance of the profession. You know, will will customer experience happen without customer experience professionals? In my opinion, no, it won't. In fact, I say it's my opinion. I, I know for a fact it won't because it doesn't. You know, we need those irritants, as I call them, on the inside to be the ones that are constantly working, constantly pushing, constantly influencing. And so a long winded answer to your question. But if the professionals are not on the inside, 
that is at the moment where I see the greatest likelihood of failure in customer experience evolution. Yeah, super. Um, talking about you for a moment, um, what or, or who have been the biggest influences on your life and career? Now, where did this, uh, where did this drive and passion come from? Um, uh, I uh, that this is going to sound slightly extreme, but you you know that I'm slightly odd anyway. But um, I will always tell people that that my life changed when I went to GE. Um, General Electric changed my life, um, and the reason is that. Uh, when I joined GE, I'm old enough to um, have been at GE when Jack Welsh was still CEO. Prior to that, I'd been in, you know, big, big financial organisations, Royal Bank of Scotland, Deutsche Bank. And then I ended up at General Electric. And at the time, it was the biggest, one of the biggest companies in the world. And I didn't even know who Jack Welsh was. But within three weeks, you know, it, it, it got me. I mean, it was like, wow, you know, th- this this is how organizations should work you know it, and it was so it was so sophisticated so um so inspiring everything that i heard was like wow yeah i get that and it was the first time actually we're, we're talking late 90s that i heard the expression customer centricity I, I didn't even know what it meant you know but it was the first time i'd heard that and you know, Jack Welsh really inspired me. Um, I, I think what he did at GE was quite remarkable. Now, there are certain things that I don't agree with. Um, you know, I started my career in process improvement. I was a, a Six Sigma black belt at the time. Um, and, you know, I, th- there was a bit too much productionizing of it. You know, you must do this. But the essence was just phenomenal. And it it, it totally changed my belief that, I can influence an organization to genuinely do the right thing for the customer. But it was Jack Welch that did that. Um, and it lives with me to this day. And, and um, I, I count myself as being incredibly lucky to have been there during his tenure. You know, sadly, GE is not that organization today. Um, it is not the same size scale or even operates with the same beliefs and values. Um, but it is he that had the greatest impact on on who I am today. Super. Um, you you work with a lot of organisations. You talk to lots of people. Um, you engage with lots of uh, lots of uh, leaders at the sharp end. So, what's next? What's the future? What should we be looking out for? <sighs> yes, that's a question. Um, I. I this is where I'm guilty of not practicing what I preach and giving myself enough time to think about it. Um, I, for me, customer experience has become my vocation. So uh, I am very unusual for a whole variety of reasons, but this is not about money for me. This is about, I think, fulfilling what I believe I am able to do, which is support and influence people and companies to understand how to do this and i want to do more of it but there are only only so many hours in the day um so you know i I have tried to kill myself by working stupidly long hours for far too long so i think what i'd now like is for my approach to customer experience which i think is now becoming quite well recognized around the world to be known by more I want people to see 
that this doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. Um, but it's about just having the right structure and rigor combined with the right mindset. And so uh, I've started to um, uh, uh, enable other professionals to deliver my teaching in native languages. So there's a, there's more of that coming. Um, and I'd like to, to see even more of that. Um, you know, the, at the end of the day, despite the fact there are criticisms and different opinions and everything else, there is still a, a, unfortunately, a massive, massive need to increase knowledge and skill in this subject. Um, and so if I can continue to play a role in making that happen, I'll be very happy. Yeah. Super. Um, as you know, we always like to ask our guests to reflect and help those coming up through the industry today. So you can go back to being 25 again. What advice would you give to your younger self? Right. Um, without question, to uh, believe in what you do and that if you do the right thing for the right reason, that's OK. So if I just just um, clarify why I'm saying that. I spent 17 years convincing myself that there was something wrong with me because I wanted to do the right thing. The leaders around the organization seemed to criticize me for it and, in fact, patronize me, belittle me, kick me for it. And, and it had a very big effect on my mental health, really. You know, I, I never really thought I, I was worth it, you know, and um, you, you've heard me talk about this before, but to a degree, I thought, oh, maybe I'm faking it. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this at all. Um, now I know that I was doing the right thing all along, you know, and, and obviously that's the benefit of aging and hindsight and everything else. But doing the right thing is really hard, really hard, especially in corporate organizations. But if you're doing the right thing for the right reason, hold your head up high. But reach out to others who know what that feels like because you're going to need as much support and guidance as possible as you're going through it. And I would definitely echo that latter bit that um, probably that sense of community didn't exist for us 15, 20 years no. ago to the extent that it does now. No, that's uh, right. And we, I can we were alone. And that's that. why we thought we were mad. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we certainly did. Super, Ian. So um, how do you unwind and escape from it all when you're not working 23 and a half hours a week uh, a day? So tell us a few things about you that we wouldn't know from looking at your LinkedIn profile. Okay. So firstly, um, father to three children, um, 13, 16 and 18. So I'm not sure I can call some of them children anymore, but um, that they certainly keep me busy. Um, I'm also dad to Poppy the Springador. Um, now, if you've not heard of a Springador, half Labrador, half Springer Spaniel, mad as a box of frogs. Um, so wow. she definitely keeps me busy. Um, uh, other things for me, though, I, I've i now managed to get back into a routine. So uh, I'm a regular gym goer. Um, prior to all of this, I was a runner, actually. So um, a lot of people don't know that I, I've run 28 half marathons, various marathons, done lots of strange mountain challenges as well. Um, uh, two other things. Uh, I am one of the only Leighton Orient fans. 
um, that you, in fact, I'm probably the only one you'll ever get on this podcast. Um, so uh, unfortunately, that's the legacy of having a father who supported a rubbish team. And I had to uh, adopt them as well. Um, so that that is an interest of mine. Um, and then the, the, the final thing uh, for me is anything related to history. Um, I, with my family, appeared on a BBC Living History programme in 2012. Just It was just before I went independent, actually. Um, and it sort of really gave me the bug for finding out about the past and history and um, more modern history than going too far back. But yeah, so a whole variety of things there. So I'm not sure if you can call Leighton Orient fun, but the other stuff I find fun. Ian, it's been absolutely fascinating having you with us today. I hope our listeners have found this as insightful as I have. And thank you for sharing your thoughts and insights uh, into your career and the CX world. You can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation at cxfo.org. We thank you for joining us at the Customer Experience Foundation today, and we hope you can join us next time on The Big Interview.